if Maggie and I are together in the clever box, that's fine with me. Well, speaking of the clever box. Everybody, we're sorkin' it in. Watching the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron Sorkin might choose about Will and Mackenzie making the news. You're sorkin' in it. That music means one thing and one thing only. It's time to sork it in it with your friends, Lex and Brian. I'm not Lex. I'm Brian. No, I am. You're Brian. It's so nice to see you and hear you. I love this. Oh, if, listeners, if you could only see what I see right now, Lex is um, drinking from his Philadelphia Eagles mug. True. We're not pouring one out for the Eagles today because we'd pour the coffee onto the keyboard. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what it is. But here we are. You're listening to an episode about Aaron Sorkin's written works, which are now made into television programs. <laughs> you know, 87 episodes in or whatever this is, we're really, we're really locking in. <laughs> we're nailing it. <laughs> Sorkin put words on paper. He delivered that to actors. They then read some of those words while cameras were running. And through the magic of the internet, you get to see it. It's incredible. <laughs> well, Brian... This week, we watched uh, episode two of season three of The Newsroom. We are almost done. Yeah. This episode was called Run. And for a long time, I didn't know what that meant. Me too. And actually, even upon finishing the episode, I didn't know what it meant. And then when I saw the title again as we started to record, I was like, oh, that's what it meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I got it. Uh, this is this is a jam-packed episode, Brian. A lot of things happening. A lot of plot lines. Uh, Neil is meeting with uh, Rebecca, who I guess is serving as both his attorney and ACN's attorney, which... I don't know. I think it beggars belief. Um, yeah, we only need one attorney for the entire show, and right. it's Rebecca. And because uh, he uh, might have accidentally committed espionage, um, Charlie and Reese and Leona are worried about a hostile takeover from Reese's half siblings. Uh, Don may have uh, inadvertently committed the crime of insider trading, thanks hmm. to uh, a tip from his uh, Apostle Q Sloan, his his significant <laughs> other. They're still defining it, but from mm-hmm. Sloan. Ma- and Maggie's on a train, and uh, and Toby from the office is there. So uh, <laughs> it's a busy episode. Yeah. What was your What do you think uh, overall? What was your vibe? Uh, I'm kind of a little divided on this one. There were a couple plot lines I just adored, um, and then there are a couple ones that I was like, "Ugh, get through this. I want to get to the good stuff." That's my that's my two two line recap. This was to me. This was better. I was going to say it's a classic episode of the newsroom in that. It's better than all of its component parts, mm-hmm. but it's it's better than average. So, like for me, I liked this episode, although I had plenty of annoyances that I tallied up. Sure. Even the previouslys had me annoyed at Neil's plotline. Just the previously <laughs> recap of what's going on with Neil's like I don't I don't care. Um, but uh, shall we dive in? We, yeah, we open with it. meeting the siblings. Oh yeah, Randy and Blair. Kat Denning's a pretty pretty well known actress. Yeah, yeah, she's super cool, and she's pretty fun in this. She's pretty fun in this, and I really enjoyed the Randy and Blair confusion, (laughs) (laughs) and that they both have gender-neutral names, and Charlie is confused about which is which. I liked all of that. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this exchange very early in the episode. Reese, you're a douche. Yes, I am. (laughs) I appreciate that Reese has self-awareness of his own douchiness. Yep. And I like the way uh, Charlie's trying to, quote unquote, handle this situation. He bursts in. He's all gleeful and stuff um, and kind of a little buffoonish. But um, sometimes I I almost feel like his character is playing up that silliness um, while to to maybe get everybody a little bit more disarmed. But he's still plenty in control of, of at least his own situation. 
there's there's um two scenes that we cut back and forth through a lot. There's this enormous conference room, an enormous conference room for three people to be meeting in before Charlie shows mm-hmm. up. Um, but we've got this enormous conference room with Reese and his siblings, and we're cutting back and forth to Neil in one of the conference rooms of Newsnight. And uh, there were a lot of Starbucks cups being handed out in, in the one scene, and they were all very clearly empty, and it bothered me. Um, but, uh, you know... I kind of liked both of these scenes. Like, I did feel like we had seen the scene before with Neil and the lawyers. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we've had that vibe already on the newsroom. But I couldn't, I was trying to think, I was trying to puzzle out why make those scenes be intermixed. They're both good. The The conference room upstairs with the uh, the siblings and the potential hostile takeover. And the conference room with the lawyer and Neil and Will. Like, these are decent scenes. Why are we cutting back and forth between them? It's possible they would just kind of get boring if we if we stayed in them too long. I don't know. I did like the, you know, I, I, I was a little bit surprised that I enjoyed the interactions with Neil and the lawyer, um, partly because everybody's playing a little bit to type. You know, of course, Neil wants to run the story uh, and he's a little too big for his own britches. But uh, Will being in there kind of diffuses some of the tension because he's a little bit, I guess, maybe a little bit goofy. Uh, and and he's he's trying to define he's trying to defend neil they were saying oh neil's been trained he takes all these uh the, the corporate training on and stuff on and it's funny just this past week i took anti-bribery and corruption training here at my job and uh let me tell you they do not really get into all of the legalese and the details here and so it's funny that will's like he takes the training once a year brian i'll give you 10 bucks if you tell me which ones they missed yeah i don't know that's the thing okay uh but i really should system worked okay well you're not a government official so it doesn't matter if i bribe you but uh he said uh you know will's like they take the training once a year it's not like they take a semester of federal law and i'm like you know what they do take that training once a year and nobody really pays that much attention to it so so yeah it it, it rung true for me there were there were several moments i liked i agree that i did kind of like that scene um I liked Neil saying, if it's going to be like this, I'd honestly prefer to go to jail. <laughs> because he didn't like it. Um, I have a note a little bit later. I don't love Will in these scenes. Like, mm. I, I thought that Will seemed too caricature-ish. But mm. overall, I liked it. Charlie joins Reese in his meeting. And he's like, I'm not even, you know, going to sit. And then, like, two seconds into hearing how it's going, he's like, yeah, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> um, uh, Rebecca doesn't just say that Neil can be charged. Rebecca says that Neil can and will be charged. Mm-hmm. Um, because he shouldn't ask sources to seal things for us. And then, finally, we get to leave this room. And we go to two other scenes that go back to back. We get the uh, the gun range moments oh, and yeah. the train moments. Sorkin loves a gun range. I've seen multiple Sorkin scenes taking place at gun ranges. And uh, we get Mary McCormick. Yeah. She's cool. Uh, she is cool. My my first line in here is like, I don't like the guns, but I guess Mary's in the FBI. So, okay. I don't like this thing of like taking norms to gun ranges. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like law enforcement officers are typically taking citizens to their gun ranges which sorkin loves as a, a beat but like mac and mary are I, I forget if this uh i know that the actor's name is mary i don't remember what her name is in the molly. show she's molly. Molly okay in the show. so mac and molly are friends and i guess this is the way they hang out i don't know and uh molly tells us that uh hypothetically in the story that uh, mac is describing that you know the source the the reporter wouldn't have to worry they'd have 10 days to six months in jail um and then we cut over to the train where uh, Paul Lieberstein, who I think we mentioned last week, was joining the show this season as an executive producer. And he's now also 
going to appear on the show. He's playing Richard Westbrook. Mm-hmm. He's having too loud a conversation on the train. Maggie knows who he is. Maggie hears the conversation. Maggie wants to snoop on the conversation. And I'm not entirely sure why she needs to involve the other guy on the train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name is Jack. Played by Jimmy Simpson, who I recognize from a variety of things, including Westworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, who's that creepy guy? I recognize him. But it's Jack. And um, so she gives him the iPod. And I was trying to think about this, too. Like, what's her plan here? And it gets revealed a little bit later because to- <laughs> Toby. Uh, what's his name? West Richard. Richard. Richard Westbrook. So the Toby guy. He looks around him to I see if everybody. I, I'm, okay. I'm positive that we call him Toby. Okay. And listener, when you watch it, you'll be like, hey, it's Toby. And the, yeah, no. you will. So when Toby looks around uh, to decide if like he can have an even more private conversation, everybody else in the um, car is either asleep or has their headphones in. And so she was like plugging a leak, I guess, uh, by. Right. This is real chess. She doesn't want him to move. You wear yeah. those. So he'll stay here so that my hiding spot is close mm-hmm. enough to listen. Okay. I, I appreciate that. That's that is that's quick thinking. So kudos to you, Maggie, and to you, Brian Warren. I like that. That's, that's pretty good. If Maggie and I are together in the, in the Clever Box, that's fine with me. Well, speaking of the Clever Box, Don and uh, uh, Sloan are out to breakfast, I guess? Or brunch or something. Right. They're having the buffet versus menu debate. And what is this conversation doing in this episode? <laughs> there's a lot that I hate here. <laughs> the debate over the buffet. Uh, the fact that Sloan's like, I lied to some... Uh, magazine about how i eat so you have to get food for me first of all nobody's watching nobody gives a shit what sloan is eating at this restaurant um it seems stupid i didn't like that she lied it feels like once again we're once again sorkin is painting sloan as like daft by virtue of being a pretty woman and i don't like it the whole over explaining things to the waiter like that just felt um not inappropriate but it did it, it was doing no favors to sloan's character yeah um the waffle jokes didn't work for me Mm-mm. and we learned that don did uh traded chipotle stock or bought chipotle stock yeah and he did that on a tip from sloan before she went on the air don is not stupid enough to do that this isn't a thing that you mess up like this is very very obvious hey i know what she's going on air with like it seemed it made don way too dumb <laughs> and i didn't like it at all mm-hmm. and i don't even know enough about insider trading but like she doesn't work for Chipotle. Like I don't, I don't under really, really understand uh, why that becomes a part of the plot at all. But it, it felt kind of just distracting to me. I don't know if it counts exactly as insider trading, although that's what she called it. But to me, like, it, you can't go on TV and pump a stock when insiders at the network have bought it ahead of time based on that stock pumpage. Oh sure, but okay. there's like market manipulation stuff there exactly. or something. Yeah, and we're we're intercutting now with uh, our good old friend Hannah. Hallie. Who, god damn it, I really checked it too. <laughs> I wrote down Maggie in my notes, so I'm crushing it. So Hallie is there at the at the Newsnight headquarters, and she's refreshing the internet. We get to see a really old internet explorer, and we get to see a really old version of the BuzzFeed website, which looked mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Web.9, like not even Web 1.0. <laughs> and she's refreshing over and over again, because she also did something totally idiotic that no yeah. person would ever do. No. She tweeted, Brian. Nobody would ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, someone would tweet before thinking about it? This is fiction. She tweeted from the official Newsnight account. Uh, 
I forget the exact. Republicans rejoice that there's finally a national tragedy that doesn't yeah. involve guns. Uh, that's idiotic. She had the tweet up for 27 minutes. Uh, I like that she says to Jim, I came in to get fired. I appreciate that. That's uh, There's something there. And then we're back up in the... Uh, there's some great lines in this episode. I, I wrote down more lines than usual. We're back up in that fancy conference room. And Charlie is making a point that I just love. Where he's saying to the, the rich step-siblings... You have 2.3 billion. You could have 3.1 billion. 2.3 and 3.1 billion are the same. <laughs> and I love it so much because they are. And they're like, no, there's an $800 million difference. And he's like, no, it's the same. Like, what can you buy for 3.1 that you can't buy for 2.3? But Blair, the girl sibling, really hurts Reese's feelings in the scene. And Reese shows it. And Reese, Reese shows it while still having his tough exterior. And I thought it was cool because she says, dad thought you were an asshole to Reese. And Reese is affected by it. I felt for him. So Randy comes across as generally a doofus, like just yes, along for the ride doofus. here. And Blair is like very intelligent. And in this case, pretty cruel too. It's unnecessary. Like, but the, the whole, their whole point of existing in this episode is to kind of be cruel, um, which is kind of tough. Yeah. And, the, and she does a really nice job. I don't think that, that Chris Smith as Randy does a bad job. Mm-mm. I just think that the character is underwritten a little bit. Like, it's, it's pretty one note. But I did write here, Charlie remains the greatest character on the show. When he tells Reese to take a breather, uh, like, you just be quiet for a second. He, he looks at the siblings and he says, it's me now. Like, like, I am now the leader of these conversations slash negotiations. It's me now. I just loved it. Yeah. But here's where I had my notes about Will. because And again, this, this episode has more rapid cutting, so I'm doing more rapid cutting. But I found Will's chaotic behavior in the scene with Rebecca and Neil and Mackenzie felt like too much comedy and not enough serious. Like we're talking about a serious thing, and Will feels like he's being a little bit of a clown. Sure. Um, but I did enjoy the comic stylings of of. Paul Lieber, Lieberstein as Richard as Toby. Like I really, I thought that he was very funny. I guess he's a deputy administrator for the EPA. Yep. And he's given Maggie all sorts of choice quotes, and mm-hmm. he has this great little exchange with Maggie where he's like, uh, "What did you say your name was again?" And she says, "Maggie Jordan." He says, "Well, that sucks, Maggie Jordan." <laughs> like, he wanted to know her name oh, so he could use yeah. it before he told her that what she did sucked. Did you think what Maggie did sucked? Uh, no, I, I, neither did I, I. So just to remind people, she basically kind of sneaked down and just took notes and listened, or she even had the voice memo app open on her phone and basically was recording everything, uh, just kind of hiding and listening. While a public official has an overly loud conversation saying risky things in a public place. The one who was who was making mistakes and doing wrong things here was uh, Toby. Uh, he, he's the one who really messed up. And... You know, when you when you think about the story at large, like she did the right thing of like preparing to report the story. She didn't report it. Like it could be that I can probably try to create a fiction in my mind where someone else is spilling tea about something and what they're talking about would like really hurt people's lives, you know, or something, or there would really be something really terrible that happened if that got out in the news. And that would be up to people to decide whether they should report it or not. But her like collecting information about something that the news probably should, you know, be reported about this. I'm, I'm all for it. Like it's, and I, I don't think that she was evil. Yeah, it's another Dems in disarray kind of story. It's it's sure people in the president's. I mean, I guess the EPA doesn't work for the president. I think was Toby's point, but like, it it's it reflects poorly on President Obama at the time, and so like I get it. But uh, Maggie starts to feel, Paul 
Paul, uh, Paul Richard Toby gets um, <laughs> Maggie feeling bad about what she did, and I don't think Maggie should feel bad. Uh, I really think that she was fine. And then back back in the office with uh, 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 I don't want to say her name because I always get it wrong. Hallie, back in the office with Hallie and Jim. Jim has gone to Charlie and said, "Hey, this happened." Well, I guess Charlie already saw the news, and he's explaining what happened and who did it. And he's Jim is trying desperately to save Hallie's job, and Hallie comes in and says, "I think you're talking about me." Uh, and Charlie says, "What was the what was the value of that tweet?" And she says, "Retweets." And I kind of love that answer. Yeah. He, he liked it too. He appreciates that she's being candid about why she did it. And he says, we're not going to reveal your name. And we're going to say it was a low level staffer and that you've been fired. And she says, thank you. Uh, I don't think it's a fireable offense. I think you can just say it was a low level staffer who's been punished or it's a low level staffer who's no longer allowed to tweet. Uh, but I mean, in, in, in Sorkin world, it's definitely a fireable offense. Sure. Like that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't know if a news network fires somebody for sending a rogue tweet. Maybe so. I could see it as a potentially fireable thing but like if she's doing great work and they like her people have done worse and not gotten fired (laughs) yeah and you know there's the when when some interns getting fired is what you usually think or hear you know if someone does something stupid uh and certainly people have done things stupid on the internet i make my living that way and so i don't i don't know like but hallie seems hallie seems like a little bit too big of a character or has like too important a role for the the tweet thing to be even like a part of her job, but I don't know. I guess this was a different time. And I, I haven't looked. I don't know if she stays on the show now or not. Yeah, I don't and know either. If she stays on the show, then I'd like to believe that maybe they'll regret firing her. Like maybe she gets some big scoop at a competitor now or she goes on to do something solo that's impressive. Um I mean if this was a ten episode season or if there were more seasons after this, sure. But like not, not a ton of time left. We're we're tying off loose ends right now. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And so, yeah, I have lots of notes here about Maggie. She just write the story. This is weird. And then um, she makes some comment about monologues, blah, blah, blah. And then Toby says, well, you're giving a monologue. And she says, everyone does that where I work. And I thought that was really funny. I appreciated the Sorkin winking at himself that all of his characters talk in these beautiful paragraphs. Um, and now because she was nice, Richard gives comments on the record, which, or mm-hmm. sorry, Toby gives comments on the record, which I like, you know, Maggie says, nobody was listening. And he says, tell me about it. And I really like that exchange <laughs> because yeah. that's his whole point. And I like that. I thought that was, I thought that was the well scenes done. with Toby were the best written in the, the episode. And I, and, I would have yeah. loved an entire bottle episode on that train. I have to believe that Paul Lieberstein wrote his own lines because he wrote it perfectly for himself and mm-hmm. he also wrote in the office and he sounded just like him. Like he, it was perfectly <laughs> suited lines for him. Um, we're back to the, the Neil lawyer meeting and Neil's insubordination to Will in these meetings is bonkers. Like yeah. he is, he's being rude and obnoxious and especially like these people are looking out to make sure he doesn't go to jail for serious crimes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And, of course, when Neil says, I want to go use the restroom, he should leave the drive. But, of course, seeing that he is clearly acting like a rogue agent, someone should go with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is very clear to me, hey, he's going to go do something. I didn't know what. Uh, but crazy. Because I, I thought, like, totally nuts the way that went down. It was weird. It, the whole... It does start to beggar belief, this whole conversation, that they end up just... They, then they, they end up keep arguing after he leaves the room. Like I don't, just all of this starts to just feel a little silly and a little too self-important for this episode. There's plenty of other things that we could threads that we could pull for this whole thing. And Neil with the laptop and trying to do this whole story, like I, I'm done with it. It, it. We couldn't be done with it sooner. Yeah. 
I'm, I totally agree. And I, the Sorkin often plots things densely and complicatedly, and I need him to explain it to me later, mm-hmm. which he's good mm-hmm. at. But here's like, oh, Neil's going to go do something because they're not following me out and they're focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and like, I want the key to it versus the actual thing. Like, come on. And they even point out it's a super weak lock because it's in a filing can. Like, it's just dumb. Um, I do enjoy the later exchanges in this episode between Don and Sloan. Like Don and Sloan start to have a fun storyline. Yeah. When the brunch scene, no thanks. Right. This gets more fun later. But then he's like, uh, there is no party. I was testing you. You didn't do well. But like you didn't do well <laughs> and not like I'm furious, but like you didn't do well. And she thinks he's walking away and he's like, I'm I'm hailing a cab. <laughs> um and then Sloan says really loud, then how about the sex? And we get the funny little moment there. And my biggest note here was, remember when Don was a totally different character? Like, we've we've completely abandoned unlikable Don to just likable Don. Like, Don is now basically, in many ways, uh, Josh Lyman. Like, mm-hmm. he's just smart yeah. and likable and a little sarcastic. Yeah. And they, they had the whole... The, the whole. She yelled the thing about the sex right before they all got on the elevator with Jim, right? Yes. <laughs> and Don says, you know, we could explain, but... He's like, like, nope. Uh, no thanks. Good. I'm done. Now we're we're back to this extremely beautiful conference room, and Leona comes in, and uh, the daughter calls her Leona, and she says, "Please, Leona's for friends and family." So immediately <laughs> saying that this girl is neither, and she says to her, "Hey, you're more beautiful every time I see you." And how often is that? And Leona says, "As infrequently as possible." And once again, as she always does, Jane Fonda just chews up all this scenery, all this lush, expensive scenery, mm-hmm. and she's having the time of her life. And she's basically saying, "You know, you're doing this for the money." I'll give you more money. So give me a little time to rustle up a few billion dollars and I'll hook you up. And then she says, get the fuck out of my boardroom, kids. And the weirdest thing to me was they instantly do. Like, first of all, they're not her kids exactly. So you think they'd ignore her. Second of all, they're rich and powerful themselves. Like, as soon as she says, get the fuck out of my boardroom, they're like, okay. Like, yeah. I thought that was strange. That it's I, I don't know why it was written that way, but they instantly are getting up to go. And then Reese tells her that she doesn't have $4 billion to spend. And then that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Yes. I also there, there's a weird thing right when Leona enters that scene initially she says I'm not here like like don't let me interrupt your meeting. I don't know why she starts that way because she's absolutely there and she takes over the meeting. So it just yeah. seems weird that she starts that way. But yes, she doesn't have 4 billion dollars and that's clearly going to be a problem and I imagine the end of the show, the end of the series is going to be they rustle up the money and save the network. That's that's what I would expect. Uh but then we get this poignant moment with Sloane and Don where she's like, "Hey, I failed your test and I feel bad." I want to go to your fake party uh, because the truth is I love you. <laughs> and Don's like, uh, uh, and then she's like, boom, roasted. <laughs> she gave him a test back. She gave him a test back, Brian. I love that. That's good. Yep. And that's where you're like, these two are perfect for each other. This is great. That's what I come to Aaron Sorkin shows for. And then suddenly there's a whole lot of FBI agents entering yeah. his room and a lot of, str- a lot of stuff happening at once. And so, what exactly did Neil do when he left the room? I thought they didn't make this perfectly clear. So Neil called the government for a comment? He called... Yeah, what was it? He, they had they had to do something. There was like a bunch of dominoes that would fall like the moment they admitted they had something and they were going to... Yeah, I think it was... He called... Like the DOJ for comment or something. Yeah, yeah. He called and, somebody for comment. And he did that when he snuck out. Will realized he had done it but told no one. And now... You know, things start to hit the fan. Uh, and I wrote, I'm not 100% clear on what's happening here. Uh, it seems very weird to me that uh, Mary McCormick's FBI agent immediately comes in and lies. 
She's like, oh, I haven't seen you, Mackenzie, in a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want to spill that they had a private conversation. But that seems like an unnecessary risk for the FBI agent, at least. Yeah. And also, like, did it matter? Like, was anybody else keeping track of who had conversations? No. But we see that Will knows that stuff's going to go down. And he has this weird menu business with his assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to come in and get these menus. And by the way, if you knew that that's what's going to happen, just tell Neil, hey, run. Yeah. Or, hey, if you if I walk out my door, run or like mm-hmm. he had a million ways to get this message out. Um, but it, so I find all that odd. Then they ask, hey, which one is Neil's desk? And nobody will answer. And then Charlie comes out and says he works over there. Um, but I don't understand why Neil played this the way he did. I don't understand the FBI mm-hmm. raiding a newsroom. It feels like the FBI would do anything to avoid the appearance of raising a, raiding a newsroom. Um, Neil's obviously on the move. He smashes his phone. He, I believe he smashes an iPhone, pries it open, and removes its battery, which felt to me like you would need tools to do that. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He used a, he used a dumpster, right? Like in, in, Yeah. I don't know that it... <clears throat> was he trying to get the SIM card out, maybe? I don't know. Like, I, I think he just he didn't, didn't want to have the phone handy. on him. He wanted the phone to die, but just, sure. just get rid of the phone. Just abandon the phone and go somewhere else. Like It didn't really seem to matter to me. Hasn't he seen spy movies? They just like throw them in, in dumpsters by themselves or in the right. Hudson River or something. But the... The note that Will's given him is, Neil, run. That's a lot. I, again, I think there were easier ways to communicate it, but fine, it's television. Let's make it theatrical, sure, dramatic. Um, but I feel like Will is now abetting a crime. Sure. Will now knows the source. I guess uh, he got Neil to tell him the source. But like, it seems like we're handling this really poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like the newsroom staff and ACN is not doing this the right way. No. they're um, And nobody's like on the same page with each other. Uh, but Will... Will has this whole, I got to protect my siblings or my family thing, right? And so we're seeing it again. And he's like, I can protect Neil by not having him be the only one who knows the source. And then they'll come, they, they'll come for me and I can, uh, I can afford the lawyers if, for one. And uh, he's just a lot more important to person, I guess. Yeah. And maybe so- the, uh, the, 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 the news company will, um, rise to his defense too because he's important to them whereas they can just fire Neil. Right. And it's maybe harder for them to jail him i don't know sure uh, uh like it's another sort of trope though the potential jailing of uh reporters for not revealing their sources mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. on matters of state but i think this is supposed to be the heart pounding plot line and it's the part that i'm least interested in like i just i just don't care i'd like it to be resolved and move on to the other stuff like i just don't care that neil has a source that neil accidentally i guess had leaked more stuff than the person already leaked a whole bunch of stuff and and they the fbi agent wants to believe that this leaker is a bad person i'm not sure that it is and we're very quickly seemingly losing sight of the fact that according to those sources we the u.s caused a riot that led to people dying yeah and like no the important thing is somebody leaked this <laughs> I don't know if we're going to wrap it up in a way that I find satisfying. No, I doubt it. I mean, we have like three more episodes. I don't know. We did wrap up Genoa Tip like in like two or three episodes. Maybe we can wrap this one up pretty quick too. But it's going to be all about that. I don't know. There's a lot more interesting things to talk about too. Also, like Will didn't report the news at all (laughs) in this entire episode. Uh, Did anybody else report news during this time? Or what? did everything just happen in a matter of a couple hours when they weren't reporting news? Brian, in my opinion, no news is good news. But... I th- I would assume that it was just we just didn't get to news night time like it just wasn't sure. time for that show to go on the air, um, but we we have uh, we have four episodes left right because this is episode two of six this season. Oh right yeah okay good. Who knows? 
What's the name of the next episode, folks? We're we're wrapping this one up. Well, I would say be very careful because I just got a major spoiler just seeing photo stills from uh, IMDb. So just be careful okay. if you're looking ahead. Closing I the got tab. A major spoiler. All I know is the title is Main Justice. Uh, that's not the episode that I got a spoiler for. The spoiler I saw was for episodes a couple down the line, but okay, we'll see. All right, be they, careful. They all die. They all die, Brad. It's terrible. And uh, you know, folks, if you're using Call Sheet by our good friend Casey Liss, you can hide spoilers much more easily than you can with IMDb. So do yourself a favor. Bring it to the Mac. That's all I say. Um, we're brought to you by Call Sheet. We forgot to say that. It's not true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brian, I don't know. Like I said, I did like this episode, and I'm trying to think what did I like about it. And the answers are, as always, Charlie, Jane Fonda, and then the surprising part that I liked was the most of the reese sloan stuff not all but most mm -hmm. that's what i liked about this episode and everything on the train with our new friend toby great point so there's more that i like than i didn't like but i guess i liked the you know the b c d plot lines i did not like the a plot line this feels very much like season two i mean i want to say mm -hmm. there was one time right after the recap where i was like i like everything except for genoa and it's like yeah this is kind of how it feels here too but i don't know sorkin can surprise us so stay tuned yeah can and will. And Brian, anything else we should be doing while we're, uh, you know, watching along and, and checking out season three, episode three? Obviously, folks, you should um, become a member of The Incomparable and uh, rate and review the show. Okay. Let us know if you have any questions or thoughts, um, especially about Lex's current beard. Lex has a great hey, beard right now. by the time you hear this, you, I might not have that great beard, but I do have a pretty epic beard right now. Yeah, yeah. Brian and, always uh, has some sort of epic beard, but I'm, you I'm know, it's, to... it's It's epic stubble. <laughs> and folks uh one last thing you can do for as a personal favor to me and lex is to just keep sorkin in it oh my gosh yes we need you to do that 